The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. So if you haven't already, let's uh, open up to Ephesians chapter 3. In in this morning's passage, we're going to be looking at a prayer that Paul gives in verses 14 through 21. Uh, we're going to focus our attention on one of the most important disciplines that we have as Christians in this passage, and that is the discipline of prayer. The discipline of prayer. Specifically, we're, we're going to look in the book of Ephesians at a prayer that Paul has for spiritual strength. So you guys are in the middle of a series right now called Saved 2. In other words, like God doesn't just save us from, from sin and from, from evil. He saves us two things. He saves us to himself, to his church, to, to the means of grace. And one of the things that he saves us to is his strength. And if you're anything like me, you guys understand a need for a prayer like that, right? You understand the need for a prayer for strength. Like you might be new to the Christian faith or you might be, you might be a veteran. It doesn't matter where you stand like sort of on that, on that spectrum, wherever you land, uh, like you know that there are times where you just feel beat up, where you feel spiritually weak. Even, even if you know Jesus and, and, and you love him and, and you worship him as God, even though you, you know his word and, and his spirit lives and indwells inside you, you know that there are times where you just don't experience that, where you don't feel that spiritual strength and you feel, you, you feel far from him and you, and you feel weak. And my hope this morning is that, that this prayer in Ephesians will, will teach you how we should pray when these times hit us, how we should pray to him when, when we're feeling spiritually weak. And so a question to sort of ask ourselves this morning is, is how do you pray? How do you pray when, when you're feeling spiritually weak? How do you pray when you're feeling spiritually weak, when you're feeling, when you're feeling far from Jesus? And to find that answer, we're gonna look at this passage in Ephesians chapter three, where God shows us how to respond in those seasons when we're um, feeling weak. You see, you see here, Paul is praying a prayer for spiritual strength. It's a prayer for spiritual strength. He prays that we might have the strength to to know the love of Jesus, to know the love of Christ. And and he prays this not not only for them, the church in Ephesus in the first century. He doesn't just pray that prayer for them. He prays that for for us today. Like he says in verse 18, to, to the church in Ephesus in the first century, he says to them in verse 18, I want you to comprehend with all the saints. That's us, right? If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, then that includes you, that includes us. Paul's prayer for them in this passage is a prayer for all the saints, a prayer for us this morning. And so as we dig into these verses, there there are three sort of main questions that we're gonna be looking at. First, why do we need a prayer for spiritual strength? 
Why do we need this prayer? Secondly, what is that spiritual strength for? What is it for? And lastly, how do we receive it? So why do we need this prayer for spiritual strength? What is that spiritual strength for? And and how do we receive that spiritual strength? First, why do we need it? Why do we need this prayer for spiritual strength? Now, if you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, you might know that that this prayer is written to Christians, right? Like Phil mentioned that earlier, like this prayer is written to Christians, and we know that because at the very beginning of the book of Ephesians, Paul says he's addressing the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's writing to Christians, right? In fact, all of of chapter one and all of chapter two, Paul describes the gospel. he, He unpacks the reality of the salvation that they already know. And so these are people who, who already know Jesus, they already love him, they worship him as God, they're, they're following him. Now, if that's true, then, then why is Paul, why is he praying before God that they would know Christ? Why is he praying in this passage that they would know Christ? Like, why would he pray that they have the fullness of God? Don't they already have that? Why is he praying that for his friends to receive what they already have? Here's why. It's because it is one thing to sort of know the love of Jesus, but it's something else entirely to experience it. It is one thing to know the love of Christ and the gospel in your head, but it's something else to experience it in your heart in the core of who you are, to where it changes the way that you think, the way that you feel, your desires and your affections. You see, that is what Paul wants for them. That's what he wants for us, and that's why he prays. He wants them to not only know the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with their, with their minds, but he wants them to experience its power in their hearts. You see, your ultimate problem, their ultimate problem, the Ephesians church, and your ultimate problem today is not a physical problem. It's not a financial problem. It's not a relational problem with, with, with other people. It, it is a spiritual problem. That is why of all the things that he could pray on his knees for, Paul prays for for this spiritual strength. The Christians in Ephesus, they they were facing like all kinds of hardship. They were new Christians in a foreign land living as exiles in the first century. They had all kinds of hardship related to that, but Paul knew that this was their biggest need. He prayed on his knees for this spiritual strength for them, that they would experience his love, not just know it, but experience it, be comforted by it, have it change their desires, their affections, the very core of who they are. You see, some of us this morning, like we're we're big on theology, right? Like we love doctrine. We love studying the Bible systematically, historically, doctrinally. And sometimes we're big on theology, but we're suspicious of experience. 
Like, when I surprised you this morning with a pop quiz about, like, theology and truth, like, you would probably nail it, right? Some of you. Like, you would nail it because you love to learn true things are about, about God. You love him. You want to honor him. You want to learn more about him. You want to defend that truth. You want to declare it. And that's, that's good. That is absolutely good. But as critical as theology is and as necessary as it is, Jesus wants, wants more for us than that, than to just know things. He wants you to experience it too. He wants you to experience him. He wants you to experience that theology that you have in your head so that you feel it as fire in your bones. Like, see, before this chapter, before Ephesians 3, Paul unpacks the gospel in Ephesians 1 and 2. He unpacks the good news of Jesus Christ in in all of its beauty, in in all of its power. He unpacks it. He unpacks the, the theology of the gospel. But here in Ephesians 3, now that he's unpacked sort of the, like the, the content of the gospel, now he wants us to experience the power of it. He wants us to experience the power of that gospel. And that is why Paul is praying on his knees. He wants that for, for them, and he wants that for us. So that is why we need this prayer for spiritual strength. Secondly, the question we want to ask now is, what is this spiritual strength for? What is it for? What does it do? You know, some Bible scholars, they've described this prayer as sort of a, like a, like a staircase. They say, this, this passage, this prayer is so wonderful and so awesome, but it's as though like each verse and turn of phrase that Paul uses, he's like climbing step by step, taking us to greater and higher heights. With each verse, with each turn of phrase, he takes us to greater and more, more awesome truths. I think that's a great picture of this passage. I want to sort of like step it up a notch, though, and I, I, I want to say like this, a more helpful picture for me is the picture like the mountain ranges in, in, in Brian Head, Utah. I don't know how many of you guys have ever been to Utah for, for skiing or, or snowboarding, but, um, but if you're into that and you've, you've heard of, of Brian Head, then... Um, you know that the, about the mountains they have there called, called giant steps. And it's called that because like as you sort of journey up, up, up the ski lift to the top of the mountain, and you're like, oh my gosh, this mountain is so huge, right? I'm so glad I'm about to reach the top. Then you get to the top, and it kind of like dips down, and you're like, nope, there's a whole nother mountain on the backside, which is absolutely terrifying, especially if it's like your first time snowboarding. A whole nother story. But see... I think that this passage is like that. Not just a staircase, but a giant staircase. Like one mountain built upon another. Like this prayer is like that. Taking us to greater and awesome, more awesome and and higher heights with, with each verse. And so when we answer that question, what is this spiritual strength? What is it for? Like let's spend like the next next few minutes just sort of walking up those giant steps. Walking up each turn of phrase and, and verse. There's, there's four steps I want us to consider. The first one is that this spiritual strength is strength for our inner being. Look at verse 16 where Paul prays. He said, prays that according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. 
You see, first, I want you to see that, that God provides his strength. What does it say? Out of the riches of his glory. Now think about that. Who is Paul praying to? Who is this God he is referring to? This is the God who, who created it all and, and he owns it all, right? He's the sovereign Lord, the creator of the universe. He's the one that the Bible says he measures galaxies with the span of his fingers. He holds all creation together with the sheer power of his will and it all belongs to him. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that, that God has like no lack of resources, right? Everything that we possibly need is found in him. And Paul says, out of the riches of that God's glory, may he grant you to be strengthened with power in your inner being. You see, Paul knows what we need from this great and awesome God. Here's what he asked for. He says, from, he's praying to th- that God, he says, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You see, only the God of all glory can give that kind of power. Only the God of glory can give that kind of power the power that strengthens us through his spirit in our inner being. You see, he's not talking about physical strength, but he's talking about spiritual strength. Strengthen your inner being. You see, that's exactly where we need it most. That's where we need it most in the, our inner being. When, when, when the Bible talks about that, that phrase, the inner being, it, it's like... The, in, in other places, the, the scripture calls it your heart or, or the very core of who you are. You see, the heart or the inner being is the core of your identity. It's where your, your passions, your desires, your affections, your very identity lies. And, and Paul's saying, look, that's where you need spiritual strength. You see, Paul's making a, a very important point here. The point he's making is the priority of the inner life over the outward life. You see, if you have strength in your inner life, then you have peace. You have contentment. You see, it doesn't matter what your outward circumstances are if you have that inner strength, if you have that inner peace. You see, if your outward life like looks awesome but your inward life is a mess, then you're going to go out into the world in, in weakness. You're going to go out into the world feeling spiritually weak. You see, that's why we need strength in the inner being. You see, I know that there are limits to my physical strength. Like a month ago, my family moved into our, our, our new home. We live in South Orange County in, in Rancho Santa Margarita. Um, my, my wife, I don't know if you got a chance to meet Alyssa in, in the back. She, um, we're like two months away from ex- uh, welcoming our second child into the world. And so uh, she's very pregnant. <laughs> and, um, you know, so she's pregnant. And so between the two of us, like there's, there's a limit between how much we could move, how many pounds we could lift. 
Like there, there's, there, there's a limit to our, to our strength and to our energy. And so we had called some friends up and some good and faithful friends. They showed up. And if I, I need to carry something that is beyond the limits of my physical strength, then like I have friends for that, right? They're there to, to carry the other side for me or, you know, get multiple guys around this piece of furniture so that we can carry it up the stairs. Like my, I have friends for that. If, I'm, if, I, if there's limits to my physical strength. Like if I need financial strength, like I have a financial planner for that, right? Like if I need spiritual strength, if I need spiritual strength, and I do, <laughs> I desperately do, then where can I go? Who can I call? Where else can I go? Like, and if you're anything like me, you know that you have a need for, for daily strength in your faith, daily strength in your joy. You need your soul revived. You need strength in your inner being. And God is the only one who can provide that kind of strength. And so we need that strength for our inner being. Now, the second step is now, is that, that we need the strength for the indwelling of Jesus in our hearts. That's the second step. We look at verse 17, and he says, he's praying that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. In your hearts through faith. You see, you might be thinking, like, isn't Jesus already doing that? Like, isn't, isn't Christ already dwelling in my heart through faith? Isn't he already dwelling in, in their hearts through faith? Like, if we're followers of Jesus, isn't he already there? Isn't he in our hearts? Like, isn't Jesus already there? You see, it, it's helpful to know what Paul means when he, he uses that word, that word dwell. You see, in, in the original Greek, that word dwell, it's actually a really, really strong verb. It means more than just you live somewhere, like you reside somewhere and your, your presence is there. It's more than just that. It actually means to take up residence, to, to, to fully occupy, to take up residence and fully occupy. And see, so when, when Paul prays that Christ will, will dwell in our hearts, he's praying that Christ will take up residence, fully occupy our hearts, and make us his own. See, it's kind of like buying an, an, an old home. Like, that's what we just did, right? In these last couple months, we, we bought a home. We had like a 15-day escrow. We moved in a month ago. And then you know that when you're buying a home, that the moment that escrow closes, like that house is yours, right? They hand you the keys. They give you the paperwork. And that house is yours the moment that escrow closes. You fully own it, you take possession of it. But in an older home, like some renovations might be in order, right? Like you might want hardwood floors, granite counters, a new fire pit. Like that's kind of how our, our house was. We had to replace all the carpet, paint, paint the walls. You see, like we're, we're still doing some roofing work and we have to add furniture and shelving and storage and all these other things. Um, and that's gonna take us some time to do. But see, like, after you move in or take over a home, like, then you can start making those changes, right? The house is fully 100% yours. But it's a process taking up residence, 
and making it your own. Over time, when you make that home your own, like your presence will mark that home. It'll fit your, your tastes and your personality, and it, it'll look different over time. And you see, when Jesus takes residence in our hearts, it's a mess, right? It's a mess in there. And some of you are like, man, my heart is, is, is still a mess. You see, but over time, Jesus transforms this residence, your hearts, into a place that's appropriate for him. Does he dwell there? Absolutely. Does he make you his own? Fully. But over time, there is a sanctifying work as we are more and more marked by his holiness. You see, his presence transforms our hearts. He makes us his own. And that's what Paul prays for us, that Christ will dwell in our hearts by faith, that he will conform our hearts and lives to look like his. That's what Paul's praying for, that we would be more conformed into the image of Jesus, that our marks would be more marked by his holiness. That's what Paul prays for. Now, why does Christ have to make residence in our hearts? Look at verse 17. He says, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and, and the height and the depth and to, and to know the love of Christ that just surpasses knowledge. You see, that's the third step we'll look at this morning. Is this spiritual strength is so that we may know the love of Jesus that surpasses knowledge. You see, this is, this is more than a prayer about just loving Jesus more than loving Christ more. It is about knowing the love of Christ toward us more. You see, Paul says that we are, we are rooted and we are grounded in love. And so it's not that we don't know about his love. It's that he wants us to, to not just know it, but to be transformed by it. You see, did you notice that he prays that they will have the strength to comprehend the love of Christ, which he says surpasses knowledge? <laughs> so, so he's praying that they would know something that can't be known, Right? What Paul prays for is this, that you would come to know the love of Jesus more, more fully than you do now. Yes, you know it. You understand the gospel, but he wants you to know it more fully than you do now, more fully in your inner being. And so this morning, if you're longing for spiritual strength, like, are you longing for spiritual strength, for more of God's, God's work, for more of his power? Then you need a deeper comprehension, a deeper understanding of his love toward you. What you primarily need is not a different outward circumstances. What you need is strength in your inner being. Think about this. Like, how do you measure? How do you measure your spiritual strength? Do we measure it by, 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 by your feelings or by your, your ministry performance or your performance at work or how great your family is getting along or how tight your relationships are? But how does God actually strengthen us? 
How does, how does he sort of measure our strength? You see, when assessing our spiritual strength, the question we should be asking is, man, is there a deepening comprehension of Jesus' love toward me? Do I have a deeper comprehension of the gospel, of the love of Christ toward me? You see, Paul says that strength's that strength comes from being, from being rooted and from being grounded in love, the love of Christ. You see, truth by itself is not enough. This prayer is about knowing the gospel, then growing in our grasp of it. You see, when this happens, then, then Jesus becomes more real to you than just, just thoughts and and, and propositions. He becomes more real to you than even your wife or husband, more real to you than your children. Christ becomes more real to you than your best and closest friends, and even more real to you than your worst enemies. You see, his love and his acceptance of you become more valuable to, to you than, than any other person on, on the face of the planet. See, when, when that's where you are, then it means that your position and your status as a child of the living God, that you're found and adopted in Jesus Christ, is more important than your financial status or how, how popular you are or how appreciated you feel more than your position at work or in your family or amongst your friends or even in the church. All of those things become less important to you and you're less anxious and less less insecure about them because they don't control you anymore. They don't own you because Christ does. And you comprehend that more. You don't care about losing any of those other things out there because you're experiencing the good news, the gospel of Jesus in here, in your inner being. So why do we need to know the love of Jesus more? It's so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's our last step. Filled with all the fullness of God. We see that in verse 19. Paul prays. He wants all this to happen that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now what is the fullness of God? You see, the fullness of God is when the, the, the beauty and the magnitude of the gospel, it, it infiltrates every, every fiber of your being. It's when your relationship with, with God leads to, leads to wholeness in life. You see, if you come to, to Sunday gatherings here at Fountain of Life, week in and week out, to hear good preaching and sing songs to Jesus and be with God's people, but then you go out into your life just as insecure and just as anxious, just as needy or just as angry or depressed, then, then you aren't living in the fullness of God. You see, God wants that for us. Paul wants that for us. I want that for you. You see, the love of Jesus is meant to renew your mind, your desires, your, your affections. It changes every part of your life. It might not be right away, 
but over time, like you will grow in, in the fullness of God. See, many of you chose this church because of its commitment to like the historic truths of the faith, right? You say, yes, like I care about truth. Jesus would say, and the Bible would say, but it's about more than that. It's about the seed of truth planting itself in the soil of your heart and miraculously growing by the power of God so that you bear fruit in a way that makes your God look awesome that the gospel is displayed in your life. You see, our lives should be about more than just, just declaring the gospel of Jesus, but it's also about delighting in it in our inner being and displaying it in the fullness of life. And so we should pray for this spiritual strength. We should pray, God, help me to see more of your power. I wanna see more of what you've, you've, you've done and what you've, you've accomplished. Strengthen me with the wisdom of your word and the knowledge of your work in the world and your love towards sinners like me. You see, we need a deeper knowledge of our sin and a deeper knowledge of his grace. Don't let the gospel grow too familiar in your hearts that it just no longer woos you. Don't let the gospel grow too familiar in your inner being that it no longer captivates you. You see, that is what you need when you're feeling spiritually weak. That is what I need <laughs> to be rooted in the gospel, to be grounded in the love of Christ. You see, it doesn't matter if you're gaining the approval of everyone around you or if you're losing the approval of everyone around you. The God of Jesus Christ loves you and he's proven that through the cross. So that's our goal is to be rooted in the rich soil of the gospel of God's love. So the last big question I want us to, to look at this morning is now how do we receive the spiritual strength? How do we receive the spiritual strength? We've been talking about it all throughout this passage, but first we just need to pray for it. If you're feeling spiritually weak this morning, then know that, that you can pray for it. If you're feeling spiritually strong this morning, you know that there's a season where you might feel spiritually weak, and when that happens, you pray for this kind of strength. You pray for a deepening comprehension of God's love for you through Christ. You see, Paul prayed on his knees all throughout the Bible, when, when, when men and women get on their knees to pray, you know it's a fervent prayer. You know it's a trembling prayer. Paul is on his knees praying. It's coming from the depths of the heart. And so, again, we should notice that what Paul offers them when they're feeling spiritually weak is not a list of do's and don'ts. He's not saying, look, you're feeling weak. All you gotta do is do this stuff or don't do those things. That's not what he offers them. What he offers them is a prayer. Why? Because it is a gift. 
You see, strength in the inner being is a gift. You can't just pull a lever or flex your spirit muscles like to receive it. Like it's a gift, and so that means you have to receive it. You pray for it, you have to, to seek it, and must be given from the one who has the power to give. You see, just some of you might, might be discouraged this morning because you, 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 you're saying, like, look, I, I'm feeling spiritually weak, and I want this. Like, I want to feel spiritually strong. And you're discouraged because you want this, but you don't, you don't have that. And if that's you this morning, I want to say, like, that's a, that's a good sign that you're sensing that, that burden. It shows that the Spirit of God is at work in you. He is stirring your affections in your inner being. Otherwise, you wouldn't care. And so the first thing we do, we, we pray for it. Secondly, you, it's one of the means of grace that God gives us in this is just to be in community, to be plugged into authentic community. You see, Paul says, I want you to have power to comprehend with all the saints. With all the saints says, look, this isn't something that happens by yourself. This is like a, a community project. Like Paul's praying for his brothers and sisters to have that. He's not just praying that for himself, he's praying that for them. And so you don't just pray that for yourself if you're feeling spiritually weak. You have others who love you, who care about you, others in the church praying for the same thing for for you. See, chances are is that you know what it's like to talk about your Christian life and what's going on in your inner being like with, with other Christians, you know what it's like to be talking about a passage of scripture together and you're just able to sort of like dig out these nuggets of truth that you wouldn't have gotten your, your, yourself or maybe you've had a friend pray for you during a, just a hard and tough and difficult time. Friends that can love you and encourage you with the truth of the gospel. Like we, we, we need that. And lastly, we just come back to, to rehearse the gospel. You see, the gospel is the linchpin of this passage. The gospel is what holds this prayer together. You see, it shows up when Paul talks about the love of Jesus. What is the love of Christ? It is the good news of his life, his ministry, and his death for us. How he left his throne in heaven for us. He came down into a manger for us. He, he lived for us, he, he obeyed for us, and he, he died for us and rose from the grave in triumphant victory over Satan, sin, and death. He did that for us so that those who have faith in him, who are united with him, can experience all the benefits of being a son of God. You see, to be rooted and grounded in love is to have a deep understanding of all that God has done for us, all that he's done for us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you might be sitting here thinking like, yeah, like I know that already. Like I know that, that gospel stuff. <laughs> but see, that's not what Paul assumes for his audience. You see, remember, he's addressing the Ephesians church. This is a church that he started. He knows the men and women there. He knows the leaders that have been put in place. He knows that they know 
the gospel. But he talks in this prayer about a deepening of their comprehension of it. Not this first level like, hey, do you know what the gospel is? Yeah, here it is. But no, he's talking about a deepening knowledge of it. He's talking about its height, its, its length, its breadth, its, its depth. In other words, he's saying, look, this gospel is so massive. This good news is so great. It's so awesome. It's like, it's like saying, it's like one thing to, to say that you, you know that the, the ocean is, is big, right? But it's something else entirely to be stuck in the middle of the ocean to where you just experience its vastness. You just look at the horizon and you're like, man, this thing has no end. You can't even see where the ocean ends. Paul's saying the gospel is like that. Depth upon depth, length upon length. It's massive. And so return to the gospel, remember it, and rehearse it. How do we know that God will be faithful to answer this prayer? Look at verse 20 and 21 with me. Paul says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. You see, here, Paul caps his prayer with the doxology. He caps his prayer by breaking out in worship, worship of the one who has the power to answer this prayer. You see, when we doubt God's ability to make us spiritually strong, when we're feeling spiritually weak, when we doubt his ability to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think is because we underestimate the power of God at work within us. See, the love of Jesus is, is given to us not, not just for our good, but for, for God's glory, for his glory in the church throughout every generation. And so, and so let's, let's pray for that. Let's pray that with our lives, we not only declare the good news of Jesus, but that we delight in it and that we display it in our lives, in the fullness of life, in every generation. Amen? Let's pray. God in heaven, by your spirit, root us in this kind of love. We ask for the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. We pray to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We pray to be filled with all the fullness of God. So give us that spiritual strength that we need, the kind of spiritual strength that only you can provide for the good of these people here in Fountain of Life for the thriving of this church and for the glory of Christ's name throughout Orange County and throughout all generations forever and ever. We pray in his name, amen.